Hey, what's up? I'm Anthony. And I'm Dan. And we are J&J Missions, spreading the gospel by all means, one soul at a time. We give live talks, we make YouTube videos, and you can find us all over social media. And as you probably figured, we have a podcast. Whether we're giving spiritual tips, deliberating about current events, or talking saints and devotionals, we want to bring the Catholic faith to you in a totally orthodox, yet relatable, down-to-earth way. If you want to support us, head over to our website, www.jmjmissions.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another session of the JMJ Missions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Palmieri. Anthony's already uh, not liking the accent. (laughs) That just made me think of Mumford and Sons again, and I can't stand how British they are. I love how British they are. It makes you want to go to like a British pub and just, you know, enjoy the music. I agree, but like they have to cool out or chill out with it. Like, I know you're from England. I get it. Well, what if someone told you you got to just cool off with the American stuff? Well, Well, I don't. Ah, good point. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I do like their soccer, and they have like four good songs. But their soccer, like England's soccer in general. Oh, okay, I think yeah, like, England has four good songs total as a country. No, they probably have Mumford a few more. I mean, the, the Beatles are from England, so that's true. Mumford and Sons has four good songs total. But I, I just I, think if they were just to, if they were less in your face about their Britishness, I would like them more. <laughs> so. <laughs> We are uh, we are without our our permanent guest tonight, Danielle Avila. She couldn't make it, so uh, you guys are stuck with us, just me and good old Anthony McCharles. So uh, hope you uh, hope you enjoy this one. We should put out a YouTube video where we just destroy Mumford and Sons. It's like not even religious, just like totally bashing. <sighs> but can you imagine when you die and you have to go through a life review? The Lord's gonna bring that up. And he's going to look at you, and he's going to be like, would you mind explaining the good that came out of this? I, I what stand, are you going to tell him? I might stand by my decision. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually really enjoy Mumford and Sons. <laughs> and English people. <laughs> yeah. Seems like that comes up every podcast. It, it, this is only the second time. Yeah. If and you're we, from England, we love you. Right. It's the third time we mentioned England, but the second time we've mentioned Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And I will say, I hope we beat you in the World Cup. No offense. Well, no offense. US, yeah, the, USA right. and England are the same, same group. Yeah. USA plays Wales on Wales Monday. Wales' first game, which, you know, Wales never makes it, so I'm happy they're in it. But um, England. And you know, as much as we love our English kinfolk, um, we uh, across the pond over there, we definitely don't want you to win in the yeah. World Cup. <laughs> I've always wanted USA to win because it's we don't even send our best athletes to soccer, and it would just be hilarious if we won the World Cup <laughs> without sending. Because our best athletes go to football and basketball and, right. and baseball. Can you imagine if Kevin Durant was a goalie? <laughs> and no one would ever score. No, you're right. You're right. If we won the World Cup, I think the world would hate us even more. Even more. <laughs> so. I almost don't want us to win the World Cup for that reason. I but. totally want them to win. It's been eight <laughs> years. The last time, the last time they were in the World Cup, we, you and I, were youth ministers. Yeah. And remember, we watched. We had a youth group meeting, and then we watched them lose to Belgium. Yeah. Same day. I do remember that because yeah. they just they didn't make it. They didn't even qualify for the last World Cup. No, that's right. In 2018, they didn't make it. That was the most embarrassing mm-hmm. thing ever. Yeah. Most embarrassing thing. You know what? We were going to have a different stuff in the world. But this is the stuff in the this world. This is the stuff in the world segment. Yeah. The World mm-hmm. Cup. And right. what are your opinions on the World Cup as a whole? I love it. I think it's the most exciting sporting event because it unites the entire world. Because soccer is a game that you can play with zero money. Like, that's why that's why the world plays soccer. All you need is a ball. Like, hockey, you need shin pads, gloves, helmets, stick. Uh, basketball, you need fancy sneakers. Like any other sport, you need really expensive equipment. Soccer, all you need is your feet and a ball, and that's why the world loves it. And it's, soccer's nickname is the beautiful game. And if you just sit and watch soccer, minus when they dive and minus when they waste time, it really is. It's I don't want to use the word majestic. That sounds corny, but it's um, it flows nicely. 
and okay. I can't think I can't think of the right word. Graceful. Like, yes, graceful. It's very. It's a graceful game. Yeah, and it's quick decisions. You have to be in shape. <laughs> yeah, I like soccer a lot. I played it most of my life. Right, here's what I'm gonna say about that. I agree. I I I played soccer up till I was like 14, 15. Never minded it. Uh, I quit because I hated running laps. It's a lot that of was, running. That was the worst part. But. Um, yeah, whenever the World Cup comes around or when the when the Philadelphia Union are good, which the Philadelphia Union were great this year. They just lost. Just lost in the championship and PK's in a total devastating loss, but it was a great season. I get really into it. But let me ask you this about the World Cup. You say it unites the world. I, well, I don't know if I disagree with that. I don't say I disagree. But let me play devil's advocate here. No, let, no, 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 no. Fair let, enough. Let, let, Go on. Let, yeah, thank you. Let, let, me, let me finish. <laughs> don't you think it makes people even more... And uh, it increases the animosity of country towards country. It could, right? You know, that's, now that you mention that, that's fair. And maybe I should refine my statement. It unites individual countries together. Like uh, the fans mm. of the country get even closer. Okay. Where, for example, somewhere so, like... like so, if, pe- so people in Wales will, be, will bond if they do well in the World exactly. Cup. Exactly. Okay. And okay. So, so will people in the U.S. But to your other point, countries like England and Germany... They hate each other, especially in soccer. Right. Like, they're, they're fans. They're, they're Whenever they play each other, it's like a melee. Right. And that goes back to history. Right. That's World War II with Blitzkrieg. Like, they never forgot about that stuff. Yeah, interesting. So like, and, like, that comes out in soccer. Interesting. Yeah. It came out in soccer. Uh-huh. Uh, there's an Ireland. Because, you know, the British... Oh gosh, we keep bashing England. I'm so sorry. I really uh-huh. I love England. Yeah. I really do. It's one of the countries I really want to visit. So, there's nothing <laughs> against any <laughs> listeners we, had, from, we do have a few listeners from England. From England. We do have a few. Um, yeah. But... Uh, historically the english didn't treat the irish very well and um now things are much much better than they were 100 200 years ago of course like they're friendly with each other politically at least and everything they're civil but um when queen elizabeth died apparently at an irish soccer game they were like chanting um it was either ireland or scotland i think it was ireland i'm sure i don't think it was scotland they were like making fun of the fact oh, really? that the queen died. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, that's geez. not cool." No, like, and that shows yeah. like, that goes to show like they really don't like. They, right, they don't like each other. They, yeah. they don't like each other yeah. sometimes. It does come out in soccer mm-hmm. soccer matches. So yeah, well, I'm excited to watch it. Me too. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it as well. Mm-hmm. I hope the U.S. does well. I love rooting for little countries. Like if the U.S. doesn't go far, I hope Wales does go yeah, far. Yeah, that's fair. I love you know Iceland was in the one. I remember that. I four years yeah. ago, I I really was rooting for Iceland. Just little countries. Senegal uh-huh. makes it every now and then. I always like Nigeria because when I was five. Five years old i saw them play i saw oh, the 1994 really? nigeria team interesting yeah. interesting mm-hmm. and guys on, on on the topic of sports i mean sports can be like we were just talking about this before the podcast it could be a great outlet mm-hmm. you know it's a if, if you need an outlet in life and it's a good natural one play sport yeah me and anthony have been playing pickleball a ton right i thought it was for old people it is the most fun i've had in a long time and i've played lots of sports play basketball you know go, go to the gym right uh, uh play play soccer you know play these things because it, it gets your it gets your endorph anthony you said mm-hmm. it gets your endorphins going right it, it gets you active it feels good you know you're human beings were made designed by god to be active mm-hmm. not just be inside all the time it's a great substitute you know to the, for maybe drinking or or yeah or the stuff or just going to a bar or right. whatever, what most people do for there's or just watching tv all day you and know? it adds balance you know like if you can have a strong spiritual life and then still find some time to go out and shoot some hoops or play pickleball like that's a great day absolutely and i always notice that when i'm done playing pickleball I think more clearly then than at any other point in the day. Like my brain is just crystal clear yep. when I'm done pickleball and I, it's just awesome. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a great hobby to play a sport. I'd say it's probably the healthiest of natural hobbies that a person can have probably better than 
you know, like TV or just oh, yeah. your phone. Or, or playing or video games, which is nothing games. wrong with, but it doesn't no. give you the same kind of reward. Yeah, nothing wrong with these things in moderation. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could think of that might be a rival hobby to sports or something would be something beautiful like art. Yeah. Or like hiking. Or music. Which is kind of sporty. Music, yeah. right. Those things. Mm-hmm. Are, these are these are nice gifts that God gives us mm-hmm. that we can use um, in very healthy ways that they don't do any damage to your soul at all as long as it's all in moderation. So, right. all right. World Cup. <laughs> and if you listen this long and you don't like soccer, thank you. And we're just we're just going to be who we are. Like we like soccer, so yeah, sorry, sorry, not exactly. sorry. This was not even the segment we it had wasn't. planned. Yeah, no, we had a to- we we're going to talk about the lottery. I'm we'll glad we didn't because that would have been boring. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it next time or yeah. something. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, um, yeah, little quick break. We're going to come back with our topic, which is ghosts and demons. Part two, we focused on ghosts in the first uh, session, and now we're going to shift gears, focus a little more on, little more on demons. This could be a nice, juicy, fun, exciting topic for everybody, so don't go away. And we are back from our break ghosts and demons part two so what me and anthony were thinking here i'm sorry anthony and i were thinking here uh, as we were thinking of like what to talk about when it came to demons is um I, I felt like we could just rapid fire questions at each other and just answer faq like like you know frequently asked questions about demons that we get from our students or from other people or whatever because uh, demons are always an interesting topic i don't mean that like in a good way the demons are like fun they're obviously pure evil but <laughs> Uh, they're interesting to talk about, uh, so let's go. Like, we're just going to, one at a time, fire questions at each other and give quick answers that we thought uh, people ask frequently. Go ahead. All right. Uh, but wait, while you were speaking, I wasn't listening because I was thinking about your grammar because there's times when you can say Anthony or me and Anthony or Anthony and I. Yeah, there's I be- times when it's okay. Yeah. I think if you were at the beginning of the sentence, meaning you got you are the subject, you uh-huh. say... Um, Anthony and I, right? Or you know, and then if it's later on, like something happened to me and Anthony, uh-huh. I believe that's what it was. Right. The difference between the yeah. beginning or end of the sentence, subject and object, something like that. Cool. But I caught the end of what you said. So yeah, I'm going to ask you questions. All right. So for question number one: <laughs> Are demons real? Yes. Okay. Demons are real. That is not just my opinion or our opinion. That is actually the opinion of the church as a whole. Uh, from the earliest centuries, the church fathers talked about demons a lot, actually. The early church fathers, the desert fathers, some great saints. In fact, almost every saint I could think of was, um, if you were they were, if they were questioned about demons or if they did write about demons, it was in the affirmative that they exist. Um, I believe the catechism also affirms the existence of evil, and I believe that it affirms personified evil like Satan. So along with that would come demons. So they are absolutely real. They hate you. Not just you, like Ant, but they yeah. hate you, the listener. <laughs> but it's okay. They hate they hate us too. They hate me. They hate Anthony. They hate everybody. Uh, Ant, why do they hate us so much? Is they, it really between us and them? No, they hate us because they hate God the most. And when you have someone that you don't like, you kind of automatically don't like the people that they like, yeah. like whoever their friends are. You know, I mean, obviously we're Christians. We have to like have charity, but that's just the way that works. Um, different thing is something I always found interesting about demons is the fact that they're decision and i really like this word i might be pronouncing it wrong is irrevocable i believe he said it right i thought i i think i did too yeah. um but they're it's irrevocable they can't take it back i just think that's hardcore like they used to yeah. be angels now they're demons and they're toast yeah uh whenever that means whenever you see a show 
uh, like Lucifer or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it and it makes demons out to be like they have a soft spot and they're just misunderstood. Yeah, that is don't. utterly not true. Yeah. Demons have no soft spot. They are pure chaos. They are pure evil. There is no misunderstanding. When we make a mistake, human beings, well, it's a mistake because it happens mm-hmm. in time. You can, you know, I, I can, I could punch you in the face and then, sorry, <laughs> and then regret it because we're living in time and, you know, three minutes later be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that and I can right. repent and I'm not the same person after I repent and let Jesus in. Yeah. Because demons live outside of space and time, they don't make mistakes when they make these decisions. Yeah. They know exactly, I mean, it's a mistake to reject God, but they don't, they don't second guess it. They know exactly what they've done. They know exactly all the consequences. They know it's for eternity. They don't have a change of mind, a change of heart. It's, it's like their their decision is constantly happening. It's constantly happening. Yeah. It happened Every once second. the second yeah. they were created, uh-huh. and it constantly happens. Interesting. Yep. So mm-hmm. because they are so pure, full of just chaos uh, and everything negative that does not come from God, um, their goal is to get us to fall. All they do, all they do to work is to try to bring us to hell because they have nothing better to do. Because uh, And by the way, demons also don't like hell. If you yeah. read up on exorcists and what they say, and exorcisms and those that are you know experts on this topic it's not like demons and the devil are all pals down there no they're not they hate each other they're like a dysfunctional soccer team yep (laughs) dysfunctional soccer team right they hate each other they absolutely hate each other there's just a hierarchy and some are bigger and and badder than others so there's just they obey each other for that reason but there's no camaraderie because where does camaraderie come from true camaraderie god from god yeah like that's this is you're so much easier to ask these questions to than my students. Oh, because yeah, they don't. They just they just look at me. <laughs> no, a lot of times they they do well, but like sometimes <laughs> you get crickets, um, and you get the questions right too. <laughs> yeah, oh, t- nice. Like sometimes well, a kid will a kid will chirp up because he feels bad for me asking the questions, right. but it'll be the worst answer ever, and I'm like, yeah. well, uh, I can work with that. And yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, true true togetherness always comes from God, and they can't have true togetherness in hell, so they hate each other. They just absolutely hate each other. They hate each other. They hate God. They hate everything. They're just full of nothing but chaos and hatred. And they have nothing better, better to do than to try to pull you down. That's why we have to defend ourselves from that. Yep. Uh, all right. So second question, which I will now ask you, looking it up here, is can someone really get – oh, wait, no, no. Yeah, you skipped why one. Does, yeah, I skipped one. Why does God allow demons to work? Why does God allow demons to try to get to us? Simply for our benefit. We need to experience these temptations because we have to exercise our free will. And we have to choose. So when you're in the moment of temptation, that's actually the occasion of holiness. Not that you want to dwell in that temptation, because that would be a sin in and of itself to sit too long in a temptation. Right. And kind of rely on your own strength, because you're going to fall. So kick the temptation out and utilize that as an opportunity to get closer to God, because that's the whole point. Because then you're showing God that you'd rather choose him, you'd rather choose life over choosing death. Mm -hmm. So if you can stay close to God, demons literally will work for your benefit. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That God is that good. You know, it's funny. I, I get the question a lot. Like, why did God put the tree there that Adam and Eve ate from if he knew they were going to eat from it? And it's because God works through love. Mm-hmm. He only cares about us loving each other. But love has to be real, and it has to be of a choice. If love is not chosen, it's not real. Right. And in order to have a choice at love, to love God and to love each other, you have to have also a choice to not love. And there come demons. So yeah. that's why God put the tree there to make it real, to make it a real choice to obey him. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve did not take that choice. And ever since then, God still out of mercy, weirdly enough, lets demons tempt us so we can say no, so we can continuously choose to love him and grow in our sanctity. I love what you said about God using them for our benefit because you think God can't do that? Look at the cross. 
did God ever want suffering and death to be part of our, our equation? Nope. He didn't, but he said, you know what? All right, I can't change that because you chose it, you know, and you separate from me, the source of all love and life in the universe. You're going to die spiritually and physically, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump in with you, and I'll, because of Jesus, take on suffering and death on the cross and turn it into the greatest way to love and greatest way to be a saint, greatest way to get to heaven. So God is an expert at taking crappy situations, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. that the devil brings to us or that we choose because the demons tempt us and bringing good out of it, right? if we want it. As Paul Kim says, uh, God kind of judos everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. And not even judos. Yeah. He eats it. Yeah. I mean, he, Jesus ate death. Like, he didn't just say, like, ah, oh, I'll just redirect it. He was like, you know what? Bring it on me. <laughs> yeah. I'll take all of it, and I can't die. So if I die, death's not really death anymore, you know? Right. And I'm right there. Man, God is so good. He's I learned so something good. really cool about how long Jesus was dead the other day for my grad class, and I never really thought about this. If Jesus would have come back to life right away, mm-hmm. then people would have said, like, oh, well, he was just unconscious, you know? Like, he was only out for a half an hour. Right, right. And if he would have waited too long, if he would have waited, like, three or four weeks, people would have doubted that he even came back to his original body. Right. So three days was the perfect amount of time. Mm. I don't. I just never knew that. Yeah, so I just a, wanted to that share makes, it. That makes that makes sense. Yeah, yeah totally mm-hmm. off topic, right. but a great yeah, point. Move on. Great point. Makes <laughs> sense. Now you're asking me the next oh, question. Yeah. All right. <laughs> next question is: Can someone really get possessed, and how? Okay. Yes. Uh, someone absolutely can get possessed. In fact, I believe it was 2005 or 2006. I'm pretty sure it was 2005. Pope Benedict recommended that every diocese in the world have at least one trained, appointed exorcist in order to ta- tackle the increasing amounts of cases of possession that are happening. Um, now, before you get scared and think that you're going to get possessed, the reason that most people think, and obviously kind of common sense, that uh, possession is on the rise is because people are leaving Christ to seek out new forms of occult activity. Mm-hmm. So um, and when you when you do occult activities, you try to find religion in other ways than Satanism, witchcraft, all kinds of other kind of spiritisms start surfacing and that will get you possessed because right. or it could get you possessed at least because that um, is an open door. You're using your free will to open yourself up to the devil right. in supernatural or spiritual ways. If you're not doing something like that, you don't really have to worry about being possessed because um, what if somebody just sins? So maybe it's even a bad sin. Is that enough to get them possessed? No, uh, n- most of the time, unless yeah. it's like a bad sin, like you're doing some kind of a cold right. activity. Although the, you are giving entrances to the devil, mm-hmm. like he's going to get in. And every time we sin, sin, you're giving demons a root in, mm-hmm. in some way, but they're probably not going to possess you in the same way you think of like a movie. Or It's mm-hmm. not that. It's not like that. Right. They're going to operate on you in more natural, common ways that we all kind of have to deal with mm-hmm. when we sin. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, possession is absolutely real. And it's um, in the gospel. It's all over the gospel. Oh, it's all over the gospels. Yeah. This is why it's not outlandish stuff. Sometimes people mm-hmm. think this isn't outlandish. This has been right. mainstream Catholicism since its inception. Mm-hmm. It's only been really in the last 30 or 40 years, well, from the 60s maybe through the 80s or 90s, that people, it, it was out of fashion to talk about demons or the devil. The church teaching never changed. It mm-hmm. just went out of fashion to then for them to teach it in seminary so much. But um, the official teaching is clear. This stuff is real. Um, exorcists are a real thing. Um might not always play out like they like it does in the movies, um, but I believe that's another question, so we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so the next question is, on that note, um, are there different kinds of possession? Yeah, possession? maybe we'll be quick on this one because we have more questions to get to. Um, so there are different kinds. There's three different levels. There's infestation. There's That's also called obsession, yeah. And then there's oppression, and then there's full-blown possession. Right. 
And I know infestation might not even be within the person. It could be within the room or the house. It can be where yeah. demons are like literally infested yep. in there. And I would not want to be in that house. No, no. Yeah. Um, or they're like almost hovering around a person, like mm-hmm. influencing the person heavily, more in a, almost in a supernatural way, but not fully possessing the person. Right. There's different levels. And many times it goes unchecked. Many times it starts off with demonic obsession or oppression, and then someone does not go to confession. They don't address it. They don't pray. They don't tell anybody. Right, and it kind of blossoms. And it, gets, it blossoms, and they, maybe they can continue the occult practices mm-hmm. and, it, and it surfaces through oppression and into full-on possession you could do an entire course on this stuff in fact exorcists go to rome to actually take real full courses on this so we can't go into all the in detail nor are we full-blown experts right. I mean, we've read up on this stuff as teachers and as evangelists so that's why we're able to do this podcast but i don't want to get anything wrong when it comes to the ins and outs of yes. those individual rankings very prudent yeah uh, okay next question i believe you're asking me right yeah it's okay. that um that's correct it says, what happens during an exorcism? Okay, great question. People think it's like the movie The Exorcist. Um, that can happen. If you ask any experienced exorcist, they will tell you that in really, really rare cases, you get supernatural things happening. Levitation, uh, demons speaking in a guttural tone through people. Infused um, knowledge too, right? Yes, infused knowledge. In fact, one of the ways they can test if someone is possessed or if they're just out for attention or maybe they're on drugs or... <laughs> Well, drugs is easy to test for, but um, maybe there uh, there's a psychological problem to see if they're really possessed. A priest will do something like put a I don't know uh, a, a weird object, a weird object in their pocket mm-hmm. before like they like a meet. tiny globe. Exactly, <laughs> sure, <Yeah. laughs> a tiny globe. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> put a tiny globe in their pocket, <laughs> and they then uh, meet with the person who is possessed, and they will ask the person over and over again, sometimes with the command of in the name of Jesus Christ tell them what's in their pocket and sometimes the person will just somehow know because the demon knows because demons know a lot of stuff right (laughs) they can be present almost anywhere they want because they're kind of beyond space and time uh, which is really interesting so they will actually use supernatural ways to test if someone is uh, under the influence of a demon or possessed another way they'll do it is they'll take multiple objects some of which are blessed some of which are not but only the priest knows which objects are blessed and which ones aren't and if the person reacts negatively to only the blessed objects when the priest touches them with it because the demons can sense that. They know which objects are holy and which ones are not blessed. Yeah. Whereas by human eyes, most people can't know. obviously tell that. Right. So um, they'll, they'll know if the person's possessed, possessed if they only react to the, uh, to the blessed objects. Stuff I like that. Never so knew that. Most of the time, though, I will say an average exorcism, if you can call an exorcism <laughs> an average thing, uh, it just involves someone um, driving themselves to the exorcists or having one person accompany them. Uh, when someone's possessed, by the way, they're not like totally like a robot, like 95% of the time they're in control of their own faculties. They might just feel really off, like something's horribly wrong on the inside and empty and cold, but they know what's going on. It's only at certain moments where the demon is triggered that the demon will manifest and the person will either have a hazy memory of the event or blackout totally. Right. But most of the time they're themselves. So most exorcism cases, the person will voluntarily just come to the priest yeah. with a friend or a relative. The priest will sit them down. They may have to have a team to hold the person down in, these, in the bad cases in case the demon does get triggered. Um, and they'll just say prayers over the person. And the person will cough, sneeze, yeah. burp, puke, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but... Um, these things do happen and these things all represent the demon leaving mm-hmm. uh, the body yeah. and it might take several sessions just as you go to the doctor's office and you're not healed right. from a sickness in one visit it might take a few visits but here's what I will say with exorcisms it is a very very powerful prayer only a bishop is authorized to do an exorcism hmm. only a bishop never knew that either yep or a priest that he specifically designates yeah. to do the exorcism 
if uh, a priest kind of goes rogue and tries to do an exorcism without the the bishop's permission, it could literally all hell could break. Well, not all hell, but literally hell could break loose. No pun. No pun intended, although kind of <laughs> there. Um, yeah, like uh, because you're trying to fight the devil with the devil. You're trying to do it with pride. True. You're not trusting God. You're saying, I don't need the bishop's permission. I'm mm. doing it my own. I'm, you're having a cowboy attitude. Yeah. You cannot fight the devil with that attitude. You need God's help. You need humility. And so if a priest goes rogue and tries to do an exorcism, or anybody tries to do the actual rite or prayers of exorcism, and they're not a bishop or a specific priest designated to do it, they're, they can get in hot hot water with the church. They can also get in hot water spiritually, um, and and in fact, the demon could even transmit them, could be transmitted to that person oh, itself. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very, very. So exorcism is the big guns. It's an uh-huh. ancient, ancient rite. It's gone through a few changes over the centuries, especially recently, but most of it is still traced back to that ancient rite of prayers. It's like a super weapon, and it's only to be used in rare circumstances where the church will investigate someone. They will make sure they'll enlist psychologists to be sure the person is fully possessed and that it's not not a mental illness. A mental illness, or many times priests can just also do deliverance prayers. Like any priest can just do deliverance prayers in the name of Jesus to cast out demons that aren't on the same level as exorcism. Um, but here's what I will say on that note, because I've gone on a while about exorcisms. If somebody who is possessed really wants to be rid of the demons. That are or demon that is messing with them, that is haunting them. If they truly want the demon gone, because that's not always the case that they really want it gone. And the priest is a holy priest who does the exorcism correctly and takes it seriously and prays before and after fasts. Um, then it may take take some time, but I've never heard. I've literally never heard of an exorcism not eventually being successful when the person truly wants the demon gone and is right. willing to fight and pray, and the priest approaches it correctly hmm. in a holy way. Cool. Yep. Okay. Next question. After that long-winded one. Man, we could have done like three podcasts on this, seriously. Next question is, what does an average person do? So we just talked about exorcisms and all that. Like I said, you don't have to worry about these things if you're just a normal faithful Catholic who is in a state of grace, who prays, right? Uh, Or as long as you haven't done anything occult, I should say. What does an average person need to know about demons? Or what do they have to do about demons? I think just know, kind of like we already said, that they hate you and they want to see your demise. And you just have to resist them. And just by going to Christ. If you don't go to Christ, you are not. You can't do it by yourself. So it's just, yeah, that's all. So how will demons try to get into us then if they're not going to try to possess us? How will uh, they try to mess with us? Before and after you do anything holy, uh, or especially like maybe you decide that you're going to pray a rosary when mm-hmm. you don't normally pray a rosary. Uh, afterwards, you might have something really, I don't want to use the word unfortunate, but like, something frustrating is going to happen to you mm-hmm. as like kind of like a retaliation. And it's kind of like demons like getting riled up and trying to prevent you from doing something like that again in the future. So know that like they want to slow down your progress to mm-hmm. heaven. If they can't stop you, they want to slow you down. Right. I would also say the the normal way they're going to tempt us is just is just is temptation to sin. The right. way the demons are going to try to get to us, and that's everybody. They're going to try to get us to sin. They're going to try to tempt us in different ways to be selfish, lazy with our prayer life. The seven deadly sins. Yeah. That's what I would say. Lazy with the prayer life is a big one, too. It's, it's, it's easy. It's so easy yep. to be lazy because there's so many distractions. Yep. Uh, and also, now you have to be careful because it can get hairy with the mental uh, area here. But I will say, at least in part, because I'm not a psychologist, but in part, demons, I think also, in my opinion, have a hand in, in, in anxiety and sadness and anger Could. and just yeah. frustrations, mm-hmm. all the all the things that aren't sins, mm-hmm. but are meant to throw you off to get you to sin. Right. And that think doesn't, about mean, it, doesn't mean if you're anxious that you're possessed. Obviously but, not. Yeah. Definitely not. Don't mm-hmm. think that if you, because we all struggle with anxiety to a degree, mm-hmm. some big, some small. But I just think that demons will hop on these things, these emotions, to try to use it to get you to sin. Right. Like, it's easier to sin if you're feeling lonely mm-hmm. than if you're not. Or stressed. Right, or stressed, yeah. right? Like, they'll use all mm-hmm. these things. Like, if you have a great community at church 
and you're praying all the time, then you're not going to feel as lonely or as stressed. Right. And you're not going to want to sin. You're not going to want to sin. It's just yeah. easier to fend it off. But if you're like just sitting in your room all day right. with anxiety and sadness and loneliness, like of course you're going to want to sin because yeah. you know nothing better to do. You know, mm-hmm. you don't feel close to God in those moments, right? Yep. Okay, so just be aware of these natural things and always pray to fight them off. Okay, the next question is... I think I have to ask you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, how can we fend off demons? How can we fend off demons? Uh, that's, that's exactly what we just said, mm-hmm. so we don't spend too much time on it. Right. The th- I'm going to say a couple things. Community. Mm-hmm. Uh, spend good time with your family. Okay, if there's someone you need to forgive, unforgiveness is a really easy way in for demons because it hardens your heart, and it's mm-hmm. hard to feel God and hard to get to know God when you have hardness of heart. So um, 100% forgive people you got to forgive. Uh, if there is um, a sin that you're addicted to, you haven't confessed, please go to confession. Confession literally stops that sin in its tracks and gives you the hope and courage you need to f- start fending off that sin. And then after you've uh, forgiven those you need to forgive, you've been to confession, you're finding your community, daily prayer. Yep, and the Eucharist. Yes, yeah, 100%. The mm-hmm. Eucharist, daily Mass if you can, Eucharistic Adoration, at least Mass on Sundays, and daily prayer. You got to force yourself to pray every day. Right. Nobody wants to pray. Like I get in the car. I have an hour long commute. Mm-hmm. I take my brother-in-law to school, which is really cool because he goes to my school. But um, but like on days where he's not with me, every single day I get in that car, something says, you should pray the rosary. I'm tired. It's early in the morning. I got kids. All I want to do is zone out or listen to music. On the days that I listen to this voice and I think it's the Holy Spirit and I actually do pray the rosary, I'll tell you by that second or third decade, I, always, I already feel amazing. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't get consolations every time you pray. Yeah. But by the time I'm done, I've never regretted it. I've always had a better day. I've always felt peaceful. So we don't want to pray, but when we sit down and just force ourselves to do it, you carve out time, that is one of the greatest ways that uh, you can fend off demons. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> Rosary a day keeps the devil away. Nice. I never heard, I never heard that. I like that. <laughs> I actually came up with that, but then I saw someone else make a meme out of it, so I guess I wasn't the other only person <laughs> that thought of it. <laughs> All right. Next question is... Um, what if weird stuff's happening at my house or to me personally? I would say just tell your pastor. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's yeah. step one. Go, yep. to the, go to your local pastor and then let him handle it. Mm. Like he might he might not believe you, but if you're persistent and like you're not a crazy person, then, yep. then he'll probably believe you. Yeah, I would say like sometimes it's natural. Sometimes like stuff's happening in your house because there's a, like a broken pipe. Like mm-hmm. there's always, not always, but many times there's, like, you don't want to get overly yeah, superstitious. Yeah, houses make sounds. Like they settle, like, you know what I mean? Like right. they make sounds. Right, so so first don't panic. Be a logical, reasonable, prudent person. If you, it seems multiple times absolutely certain that there is no logical explanation, there's some very, very clear spiritual reasoning for it. Yeah, tell your pastor, if he dismisses you, I would just go to a different priest and get, get your house <laughs> blessed. Have a priest come in and get your house blessed. Go to confession just in case, you know, there could be something you brought in there. Um, and... Um, I would also say, finally, um, what else was I going to say? Maybe like sacramentals around the house, like pictures of Mary, like statues. Yeah, hang sacramentals, throw yeah. holy water around the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, one priest told me that a mass said in the house is extremely powerful mm-hmm. because mass is the most powerful. The presence of the Eucharist, the sacrifice of Jesus made present in the Eucharist at mass is the most powerful spiritual thing this world has to offer. It's right. the most, it, it is the, the greatest uh, exposure to the presence of Jesus that you can literally have in this world is the Eucharist and yeah. the Mass. So when a Mass is said in a house, uh, great graces are given to that location. So one priest told me, I don't know if all priests do this, but that when every time he said Mass in a house, any negative things that were happening in the house have stopped. I believe it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, Mass in the house. Okay. Yeah. One more? Yeah, one more we got. Um, how much attention should we give 
to learning about demons? How much attention do we give to the dark side of things, the dark side, <laughs> and uh, to learning about this stuff? In my personal opinion, just a little bit of attention. Most of your attention should be on Christ and the saints and things like that. But, you know, like, it's also good to study your enemy, like kind of going back to soccer. Exactly. You need to study your opponent and know that what their weaknesses are and what their strengths are. But, again, the demons are death and Christ <laughs> is life. Yeah, so, like, we right. want to focus on the life. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a great point. At You know, 99% of our faith is happy, joy, joy. Yeah. And, like, that sounds, uh-huh. like, kind of, you know, like, superficial, but it's actually not. Like, <laughs> God became a human being, died on a cross, resurrected, will forgive you of all your sins. Right. When you die, you don't really die. You go to heaven. I uh-huh. mean, this is great news. Yeah. <laughs> our faith, the universe that we live in, the reality that we're in is a beautiful, miraculous, incredible reality. The reality of salvation Jesus gives us is an incredible, miraculous reality nothing but good news that's why it's called the gospel good news as anthony said there is one percent of our time should be to scout out our enemy so we know how to fend out how to how to win this game we're in a battle saint paul right. says we're in a battle we're in a race right you got to know your enemy so i totally agree Ant. um just give a little bit of attention to know your enemy and then leave the rest to god because you don't want to give too much attention to the dark side of things because even if you have good intentions yeah um and learning about it if you spend too much time on it, it's still just not. It's still just the negative yeah. you're looking at mm-hmm. in the universe, I agree. and you want to look at the the positive, which yeah. would be Christ's love. So with that, do you want to flip to the devotional, which we kind of already picked ahead of yes. time, which we don't normally do? We will. So we're going yeah. to take a quick break because mm-hmm. we just went on about twenty minutes here, uh, and we'll come right back with the devotional cup. Don't go away. Back with the devotional cup only. Without Danielle. And without, without Danielle. She's not here. Yeah. And as Anthony said, without the cup. I we're at my place now. I, yeah, I forgot the cup. That mm-hmm. was that was on me. It's my it's bad. Right. But one of the devotions in that cup we're just going to roll with because it has so much to do with our topic. And that is the St. Michael prayer. Should we still play the music when we say St. Michael? Yeah, like sure. Right effect. here we go. Okay. Right, okay. Yeah, do, do, do. And it's the St. Michael prayer. Nice. Okay. (laughs) And what's the St. Michael prayer? If you're tempted to sin, and if you stop in your tracks and say the St. Michael prayer, you're safe. (laughs) So it's so it's simple as that. Like, Mm -hmm. what else do you want? Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's a short prayer for those that don't know it to St. Michael, the archangel, who is the chief. Uh, angel of God when it comes to fighting demons. You know, there's rankings of demons and angels. There's order in the spiritual world, just as there's order in our physical universe. St. Michael is the, uh, he's the, he's the big, he's the big guy. He's God's like right hand dude when it comes to fighting off evil. And he was never a person. Some people get that confused because people don't become angels. So St. Michael was never a person that became an angel. Mm-hmm. He was always an angelic being. Right. Why do we call him Saint? Well, that's just kind of like an honorary title. But we know that St. Michael is an angel, not mm-hmm. a person. Yep, yep. Yeah. So the St. Michael prayer has a cool has a cool story to it, and I'll tell it really quickly as fast as I can. It's a newer prayer when it comes to the church standards, meaning it's about 100 and, I don't know, 30 years old maybe, which is new <laughs> compared to 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. Uh, pope Leo XIII, a very holy pope that we had, very notor- notable pope, pope for a long time actually, was celebrating Mass. This is the pope, guys. So this is not some random kook on the street. This is the Pope. Okay, this is a real witness story. That they're absolutely certain that this happened, okay? 
He was celebrating Mass. At the end of Mass, I believe, I hope I'm getting this right, he had just put the Eucharist back in the uh, tabernacle, and he collapsed on the floor. And he was down on the floor for apparently quite quite a bit of time. When he finally came to his senses, and of course all the other priests and everyone near him got him up, he was. they said he looked visibly shaken, like he was really disturbed at whatever happened to him while he was down on the floor. He said later he had a locution where in, when he collapsed, he heard two voices. One he thought was Satan's and one he thought was Jesus. And the conversation went something like this. He heard Satan say, give me 100 years and I will take down your church. I will destroy your church. And then he heard the voice of Jesus say back, you will have your 100 years, but you will not be able to destroy my church. And that's all he heard. Uh, and then he was, uh, I don't know if he heard noises or something afterwards, but he was absolutely certain that the next hundred years would be devastating for the church and for the world. And the next hundred years was the 20th century. And all of the wars, the sins, right. the, 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 not that technology is bad, but the increased uh-huh. ability to sin that technology yeah. gives, uh, along with the, kind of the collapse of faith we've seen in the uh-huh. West the last 50 or 60 years, the impurity, abortion, all that kind of stuff, just growing from there. I mean, that Satan did have his hundred years. Yeah. But the good news is he will not be able to take down the church. Jesus made a promise. He said, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he was dead serious about that, right? He's never going to let go of his church. So we have that to fall back on. But Pope Leo was so shaken by this that he mandated that every single church around the world after Mass, mm-hmm. after every Mass said around the world, he made a new prayer to St. Michael. It's called the St. Michael Prayer. And he mandated that every single priest say it after every Mass from that point on. And it was like that up until the 1960s, uh, up until Vatican II. Every single uh, church would say the St. Michael prayer after Mass. I knew that story, but I didn't know that's why we say the St. Michael prayer after Mass. Yep, yep. So some churches are picking it back up recently. Yeah. Our parish I noticed the last has... few years it's been uh, like around. Yeah, it's catching yeah. in the U.S. a lot. So I don't know, but in, at least in our region of the U.S., it's ca- it's catching up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of churches are starting to do it Let again. Let us know in the comments somewhere if it's being said at your church after Mass. Do you... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So uh, with that, I guess we'll wrap it up. Any other comments, Ant? No, I just think we should say the St. Michael prayer for the closing prayer. Okay, and one last thought I want to say for our listeners. Again, this is a a kind of a dark subject, and we laughed a lot. We're light about this. And the reason we can be light, you know, is because the shadow proves the sunshine. I believe St. Augustine said something like that. I like it. The shadow proves the sunshine. If the supernatural is real when it comes to evil, we will tell you because we've had conversions, and we had conversion experiences because supernatural things happened to us, all very Catholic, very you know Orthodox, not weird. But um, supernatural things happened to us, and that side is real too. And that proves that, that the Lord really is the Lord, that he really does love you, and that our faith and what it teaches is absolutely real. And that is always good news. So yep. let's close with a St. Michael prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless.